should people be paid to move to Southwest Virginia? Were that to happen, it would not be the first time that a region or a state has made such an investment. Dwayne Yancey, the editor of the Cardinal News, explores the possibility of government entities targeting workers whose professions allow them to work remotely. In an article published June 27th, he discusses communities from across the country that have begun such a strategy to help shore up dwindling populations and stagnant economies. In West Virginia, for example, a remote worker incentive program pays qualifying individuals up to $20,000 to move to that state. More locally, Johnson City, Tennessee started a similar program last year. To date, the average salary of the remote workers coming to that city is $98,000, more than double the city's median household income of $42,000. In doing his research, Mr. Yancey has not found a community that has been disappointed by the results of the investment. In fact, more communities are considering remote worker incentive programs because of the success of other communities. We talked today with Dwayne Yancey about these and other programs and what they could mean were they implemented in Southwest Virginia. Welcome to the show, Dwayne. Thank you for being here. Thank, thank you. I want to talk about two areas, the remote worker incentive program, which you wrote about recently in the Cardinal, Yeah. and then what that sort of a program would mean to Southwest Virginia. You did a lot of research for that article, it looks like, and from what you have written, it sounds like you were very much into this subject. And I wondered what got you interested in writing about that topic. Where did you hear about this? And why did you start thinking about Southwest Virginia as you were hearing about it? Sure. Well, our central organizing principle with Cardinal News is to cover how Southwest and Southside are trying to reinvent their economies. Um, both are, you know, they're very different parts of the state, but they have one thing in common. They've both seen traditional employers either decline or sometimes die altogether. So anything that speaks economically to the region, um, you know, is something we're interested in. Uh, I started hearing about these programs several years ago. I, it's hard to, you know, pinpoint the, you know, precisely the, the first one, but, you know, they've, they've been out there even before the pandemic um, and seem to have, you know, picked up since then as remote work has become, you know, more of a real and, you know, more widespread and accepted thing. Um, and then I was intrigued to see, you know, two places near us, um, you know, West Virginia and Johnson City, Tennessee doing this. I mean, it's one thing when, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma does it, um, you know, interesting, but, you know, we're, you know, we're not going to be mistaken for Tulsa, but, you know, Johnson City and West Virginia are very much like us. So their, their experience seems very, very applicable. Well, then let me ask you if you could explain just in general, how does a worker incentive program, a remote worker incentive program work? Uh, the, the very short version uh, is there's somebody that will pay someone to move to the area. The, you know, the, the details vary from place to place, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it, it's like companies, you know, when big companies move, you know, states and localities often put up certain incentives uh, in, yeah, in terms of, you know, it, yeah, infrastructure upgrades that are promised or tax breaks. And, you know, this is sort of the same thing, except for people. Um, the, the way the fellow who runs it in Johnson City put it, uh, yeah, it's sort of like you know, when a bank offers a free toaster to open an account, 
Um, you know, the, the people opening the account can probably afford the toaster, but you know, the toaster is basically, you know, marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for some people, the idea of, you know, we're going to pay people to move in, you know, seems wrong. Um, but yeah, it's really just sort of a marketing ploy. It's similar to other incentives that a state or a, a local government might use to attract a business. But in this case, you're targeting really employees. Correct. So you're not having to worry about the infrastructural investment that might come along with it. And you have looked at several examples of that across the country. I'm wondering, though, also, because you have looked at this economy in Southwest Virginia with quite a bit of research and with quite a bit of interest, is this sort of a desperate move for us, or is this perhaps uh, just a smart trend to follow? Uh, Well, I suppose that would be a matter of opinion. Um, I would not call it desperate. Um, The the latest, well, while the latest census in 2020 showed Southwest Virginia losing population. The latest Census Bureau population estimates from 2021 um, show a small uptick of people moving into Southwest Virginia. Uh, And then there's some other data that supports that too, more people moving in than moving out. Now, you know, a locality might still be losing population because, you know, deaths outnumber births uh, and, you know, the number of people moving in, but uh, in, in terms of simply migration, there's some very positive trends there. So you could argue that this, you know, builds on or would build on, you know, an existing trend and, you know, might accelerate it. I'm assuming you would say that this is not just the only solution. This is perhaps something that um, economic development leaders might consider as part of a mix of options they might choose to help reverse some of these trends in population that you're talking about. Correct. I don't think there's any, you know, one single answer to anything, uh, except maybe, you know, two plus two, you know, there's one answer there and that's four. Um, but, you know, n- nobody that is doing these programs sees that as, you know, the, you know, the be all to end all. You know, they just see it as part of their economic development strategy. Generally with these programs, there is an um, income minimum that to qualify, you have to make a certain amount of money. So they're basically bringing in more affluent people uh, on the theory that they have spending money uh, and, you know, we'll spend it at, you know, stores, restaurants, whatever. And, you know, that money circulates around the community. Um, so that's, that's part of the, the theory there. Yeah. Another part of it, I've not seen any age requirements on these, but, you know, generally the people moving have been, you know, younger rather than older. And so for communities with older demographics, here's a way to get, you know, younger adults in. I think in your column, you talk about how this may help move the population needle a little, but it may not necessarily, especially in this region, fill the the gap in terms of how many people are actually leaving the net population loss. Um, But you do make the case that it's perhaps just as important to bring in more money, more through wages, as it is to bring in more people. Is that the correct analysis? Uh, that, that's sort of the theory on these. I mean, uh, in, in West Virginia, in Lewisburg, West Virginia, what West Virginia has identified three places in the state they're going to do this. The nearest to us is Lewisburg. And they just finished um, their first, yeah, accepting their first cohort there, 33 people. who will bring 61 once they bring family members. 
Um, so, you know, number wise, you know, 61 people, you know, if you're losing population, you know, 61 people is great, but it's not like that's going to, you know, completely, you know, turn things around. But the average salary of these people is over $100,000. Um, and I, you know, ran some figures on, on the math of, you know, how much spending money that was bringing into the community, you know, that wasn't there previously. Um, you know, obviously there's no guarantee it all gets spent there, but, you know, some of it will be. So that, that's, that's part of the argument. I am talking today to Dwayne Yancey. He is the editor of the Cardinal News, and he has recently written about remote worker incentive programs and how they are effectively drawing populations and incomes to regions at, to help with economic development. You are listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to community and economic development in Southwest Virginia, and I am your host, Dirk Moore. We are going to go to a small break, but when we come back, Dwayne, I want to continue this discussion about incentives. You are also listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Underwriting for WEHC comes from the Bank of Marion, recently announcing new products and services to make banking better, including a platinum reward credit card with contactless payments. It's tap and go. Earn reward points for every retail purchase, redeemable for merchandise, travel, cash back, and fuel discounts. The Bank of Marion, with 17 hometown community branches throughout the region, member FDIC. Support for WEHC 90.7 Emory comes from Tom Graham and Kyle King of Edward Jones Investments, 126 East Main Street, Marion. Learn what investing can do for you, 276-783-4448 or edwardjones.com. Edward Jones, member SIPC. And also from the Tumbling Creek Cider Company, heritage-inspired, handcrafted hard cider from locally sourced apples in the heart of downtown Abingdon. Open daily in the Springhouse at 112 Court Street, Northeast Abingdon, and online at tumblingcreekcidercompany.com, serving the spirit of our community. Support for WEHC or 90.7 comes from Greco's, proud to bring the taste from our home to yours, serving Southwest Virginia and East Tennessee with locations in Abingdon and Johnson City. Menu and more information at getgreco's.com. Eat differently at Greco's. Welcome back to Together to Get There. Today I'm talking with Dwayne Yancey. He is the editor of the Cardinal News, and we have been talking about remote worker incentive programs programs that are designed by governmental entities to bring in individual workers who are able to work remotely into their regions and giving them incentives to do so. Dwayne, I want to talk about what those incentives are. We've talked a little bit about the idea that they're direct payments, perhaps. Do they take other forms? Sure. Uh, the one common theme is, you know, they all involve, you know, paying cash. Uh, the amount varies. I've seen it, I think, you know, from 1000 up to 10000 
um, per person. Uh, you know, details details vary um, from from place to place. You know, there's some stipulations on that. You know, you have to live there. You know, generally a year. So I, you know, different ones are structured different ways. You know, you might get some money up front and get you know get the rest after you've been there a certain amount of time. Um, others though do some, some do tack on other things. Uh, West Virginia has a whole package of things. They're very geared toward the outdoors and attracting people into the outdoors. So there are you know memberships and the different things that you know get offered. Um, some places that are more interested in luring entrepreneurs, um, you know, have offers of, you know, co-working space and networking opportunities or classes, um, that, that sort of thing. So, you know, the, the details may vary from place to place, but the one, the one common thread is here's some money. And we're talking, of course, about remote workers, people who have uh, are working for companies that are headquartered elsewhere, and they're just coming in perhaps to live out of their, or to work out of their homes or perhaps co-working spaces, as you've mentioned. So they're really not bringing any kind of infrastructural investment. They're just bringing their incomes to the region and their spending power. Correct. Um, and that, you know, the, the theory is, you know, it's for, for a locality is that it's all upside. You know, you're not having to add more, you know, water and sewer, you know, or more roads or anything else. It's, you know, sort of. One know, of the free, downsides, free. though, that you mentioned in your column is the fact that these people aren't necessarily, because they're not bringing their companies with them, paying the same level of taxes that a, a company with a headquarters might. I, yes, I have heard some concern from um, some local officials who point out that, yeah, a Certain number of remote workers are great, but you know, if you had, you know, in theory, you know, a whole county of you know remote workers, you know, wait a minute, that's a problem because you know most counties have a machine and tools tax and other sorts of taxes on business, um, you know, that these folks you know wouldn't be paying. And you have focused in your column on Morgantown, West Virginia, and Johnson City, Tennessee, I guess because they're closest to us, perhaps. Yeah. But it seems like they've been fairly successful in this in this enterprise. What do you think these two communities are doing that is working best for them? Um, they are out there and promoting this. You know, I mean, someday in theory, maybe everyone does this. And so the impact of each one will be lessened, um, you know, but right now, you know, while there are a lot of communities doing that, you know, it, it's still a relatively small number overall. And so, they, you know, for instance, I couldn't find anyone in Virginia doing this, you know, so, you know, they, they have the benefit of being out there and getting attention um, and, you know, being well promoted. You know, Johnson Seggy was, you know, specifically advertising this in places like Silicon Valley, although they said they did not get much response from Silicon Valley, but they were getting, you know, much better response from, you know, Chicago and Nashville. Makes sense. You know, they're, they're closer. That leads me to my next question, and that is, why do you think we're not doing it in Virginia? And what from these two communities that I mentioned, do you think we can learn if we wanted to do it in Virginia? Uh, I guess we're not doing it in Virginia is because no one has done it. I mean, that's a simplistic answer. Uh, but, you know, it takes someone you know, to propose it uh, and see this as a good idea. It also takes the funding. West Virginia was fortunate. And they had a private donor who gifted them, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, um, I'm thinking like you know, $25 million for this. So, you know, they're not spending tax dollars on this. I mean, the state government is administering it, but the main funding is private funding. 
in Johnson City, it's a mix in most places. You know, it's some, well, I've, I've seen a combination from all government funding to, you know, West Virginia, you know, all private funding. So, you know, if you're a, you know, relatively poor locality and you can't afford things, you know, now, you know, you're probably not going to be able to afford this, right? I mean, you know, yeah, there, there is some money involved. As you know, the Tobacco Commission of Virginia offers a talent attraction program yeah. through which they offer tuition waivers to students who, once they graduate, determine that they're going to live in this region. How is that different from a remote worker incentive program? And regardless of its similarities, does it pave the way for us to do something like a remote worker incentive program? Uh, I, th I think it certainly paves the way if people are interested. Um, the Tobacco Commission program uh, and, and the folks of the Tobacco Commission program feel their program is superior to these other programs, and we can talk about why. Theirs are targeted at specific occupations that are hard to fill. Mm -hmm. um, so they've got a list of, you know, hard to find people that communities need, you know, science teachers are on the list, you know, math teachers are on the list, physical therapists are on the list, um, you know, IT people are on the list. Um, so they're going after specific occupations and they think theirs is superior because their argument is, hey, you could have a remote worker program you know, bringing people, but, you know, you still can't find a math teacher for the, you know, local high school. Mm -hmm. um, on the flip side, you know, the remote worker programs are generally aimed at, like I said, you know, upper income people, you know, in, in Lewisburg, you know, the, the average salary was you know, over $100,000. Well, you know, I know teachers making $100,000. So it's sort of apples and oranges there, but both still fruits. Um, <laughs> Getting back to Johnson City and Morgantown, do you feel there are some elements of those programs that we should try to emulate in Southwest Virginia? Um, you know, I, I'm a curious person. So, you know, I'm, yeah, I would be curious to see someone try this. You know, I'm not uh, standing up on my soapbox and saying everyone should do this, but it would be interesting to see someone try to see what happens. You know, I'm not as familiar with Johnson City. I am familiar with Lewisburg. Lewisburg is a great place to live. You know, so are some of these other places that are offering these. You know, I'm wondering how this would work in some, you know, more distinctly rural area. I have no idea. You know, well, the, the places doing this are, you know, places like, you know, Tulsa and, you know. Hypothetically, if you were to be asked to craft a program that would serve Southwest Virginia, what would it look like? What sort of incentive would you offer? What sort of what sort of communities within this region would you perhaps target? Well, yeah, Lord help us all if someday I'm ever in charge of something like that. I don't think anyone would want, want that. I'm, I'm much better as a scribbler throwing out ideas than uh, yeah, administering some, some program. But since you ask, I will answer. Um, you know, I, I think you would want some sort of income level um, so that, you know, you're bringing in higher wage people to bring money into the community. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what's legally permissible, but I would think, you know, you would want younger people rather than, you know, older people to, you know, replenish the demographics there. Um, it would be great. You know, I, I'm intrigued by, you know, the programs, like I said, in Tulsa, that's very focused on, you know, bringing in people who might start a business. That's not really the focus in West Virginia. You know, I, I, I would be more intrigued about that. In terms of where, um, you know, there would be two different arguments. You know, one would be, let's pick the most, most favorable place to do this. 
and see how it works there in you know the, the place where we think it would be the you know the most successful. The other argument would be let's find the locality that is in need of the most help. Um, the locality in the need of the most help would be Buchanan County. It's had the highest rate of population loss during the past decade. Um, so you know if you were going to pick out the neediest county, that would be where where you would go. What does it take to incentivize the political leadership around this? I, I do feel there's a, a broad familiarity with the, these programs and the an understanding of their success in Virginia that we would have the leadership that would pursue it. Uh, I, I think there's very little um, you know familiarity with these programs. Uh, ideally, people read my column and would be familiar. Um, but yeah, and since we've not had one and they're relatively new. And because, you know, Virginia is often gog out on, you know, on the cutting edge of things, you know, I, I think folks are you know, unfamiliar and, you know, when you're unfamiliar, you're going to be skeptical and, you know, if you're going to be spending money, you know, people are right to be skeptical. Um, you know, there is sort of the optic question, well, we're going to pay people to move here. Um, but again, that's, you know, for the, for the places they're doing that, they say, well, that's you know, really no different than offering some incentive to a company. And so far from what I, I think you've observed, you haven't really found any community that has been disappointed by this. Everybody who's done it seems to have been very encouraged by their success. Is that right? Uh, that's right. I mean, I, I did not find any examples of any places that demand this is you know, not worked. Uh, and we, you know, we're scrapping this. Um, you know, the places that have done it, you know, have, have seemed to have done very well and like it and want to expand it and Maybe the only reason they're not doing more is, you know, it costs more. Yeah, so it would be interesting, you know, as an experiment of say, you know, the Tobacco Commission took a certain amount of money. So, okay, we're going to pick out some locality as a you know, test program and see how this works. Uh, Dwayne, one final question, and you sort of hinted at it before, and that is as more communities take this on, does there become a point when it doesn't have any return for any late adopters? And how far are we from that? point? Uh, I mean, theoretically, I would think so, right? I mean, if, you know, if everybody, you know, right now, the people they're doing it have an advantage because there's not many of them out there. And so, you know, they get stories written about them, you know, and that elevates their profile. You know, if everyone were doing this, it wouldn't be news. You know, we just sort of fade into the background. I don't know what the tipping point on that is. I suspect we're not there yet. I mean, I suspect if some locality in Southwest Virginia did this, you know, that would be big news. Um, you know, we would certainly write it back at, at Cardinal. I suspect lots of other places would too. Perhaps there'll be some more news from the Cardinal News about this and other news media. I've been talking today with Dwayne Yancey. He is the editor of Cardinal News, who's written a column about remote worker incentive programs in different locations across the country and has speculated as to their usefulness for Virginia, particularly rural Southwest Virginia. Dwayne, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to Together Together, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. I am your host, Dirk Moore, and you have been listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you for listening.